This is Jay Baer from Convince and Convert. Welcome to Season 6 of Social Pros. If you want to learn how big companies succeed with social media, you found the perfect podcast. The show is brought to you by Salesforce Marketing Cloud, inspiring one-to-one connections with your customers through social, mobile, email, web, and advertising. The show is also brought to you by Yext, whose award-winning location management platform helps companies of all sizes drive more foot traffic to their doors and get more customer reviews. And by Convince and Convert, social media strategy advisors and counselors to the world's most interesting brands. Convince and Convert makes your social better. My co-host for the show is Adam Brown. Find all links, archives, and more at socialpros.com. Are you ready? Let's get to work. Welcome, everybody. This is Social Pros, episode number 307. I'm Jay Bear, founder of Convince and Convert, joined by Adam Brown from Salesforce Marketing Cloud, executive strategist, my special Texas friend. Mr. Brown, how are you? Man, we are t- we're turning the horn here on the first 10 of the next 300, uh, and it's uh, it's exciting. Yeah, great a great show today, too. I'm really fascinated by what our friends at Agora Pulse have decided to do with, with their new blog called The Social Media Lab. So each week, they take a, a theory, a thesis, a hypothesis, a concept, an FAQ in the social media world, and they put it to the So one of the ones that they did recently was, hey, let's say you boost a Facebook post. Does the next thing you publish do better if it's the, you know, the next post after you've boosted a post, they actually put that to the test. And they found that in that case, consistently, yes, it does. It does do better that your post after a boosted post performs better. So all these kind of questions, and I think they're doing the industry a real service. They really are. And Jay, I, I thought Lisa Counter williams was an incredible guest. And I really appreciated kind of what she spoke about kind of in the, at the macro and the, uh, the micro level. At the micro level, she gave us some really keen insights on some of these experiments and what's working and what's not, correlation versus causation, a lot of things that we talk about. But at the macro level, I think what really fascinated me, and I, I don't know if I speak for you too, Jay, is sometimes I think we as social pros have gotten a l- little bit more risk averse than we were during the earlier days of social. You know, the idea of failing forward, of trying new things. I mean, I think a part of that is because it's now more expensive to do things in, in social. You can't test. We don't have as big discretionary funds to test things. And when things cost uh, you know $10 instead of $1, it's a, it's a little bit harder. But secondly, I think we need to be a little bit more brave in, in that particular space. Yeah, I think there's also a little bit more um, attention being paid to social in many larger corporations. And so it does get a little scarier to, to fail on purpose. But Lisa and her team at Agora Pulse and the Social Media Lab are helping us do just that with their really interesting uh, blog and companion podcast. So we had a great conversation with Lisa Colner-Williams, this week's guest on Social Pros. Uh, before we bring Lisa onto the show, just a quick reminder that the show is brought to you by Salesforce Marketing Cloud, Adam's organization, who have a fantastic ebook called The Business Leader's Guide to Becoming a Social Business, uh, all about how to assess the skills of your current social media team, track your missed opportunities, position social for real success in your organization, and analyze your results. Help you make the most of your social media. Download it now at bit.ly slash social business guide. That's bit.ly slash social business guide. Also new sponsor uh, this week on social pros, our friends at Lightboard. Lightboard is a new kind of graphic design team dedicated to B2B marketing. Have you ever kind of struggled with like fluky freelancers or super duper expensive agencies? Lightboard kind of fixes those problems. We use them at Convince and Convert all the time. 
I've been using them now for geez, like two years, I think, something like that. We love those guys. So what we do is have Lightboard make ebooks, banner ads, logos, even made our holiday card this year, which is kind of fun. They've got experienced designers, good account managers, project managers. They're quick, they're easy to work with, they're affordable, really, really reasonable. I highly recommend them. Go to lightboard.io slash convince, not com, lightboard.io slash convince to check those guys out. Without further ado, please welcome Lisa Colner-Williams from Agorapulse, this week's guest on Social Pros. Lisa Colner-Williams, welcome to Social Pros. It is fantastic to speak with you and, and really excited about the things that you're working on at Agorapulse. Tell us what your job entails as the product marketing manager. Well, right now I'm making sure that everyone who learns about us either through the blog, through any sort of material, understands the value that our social media management tool brings, whether they're in a mid-sized business or an agency, just finding out, well, there are a lot of social media tools out there. What is this Agora Pulse and you know, how can it benefit me? And I do that through any form necessary. <laughs> any Wow, excited. Any form necessary through uh, wrestling. Exactly. There's one option. There's uh, through, through scratch off scratch off lottery tickets would be another option. Uh, social media, of course, would be an option. Uh, I should say that uh, our team at Convince and Convert recently switched uh, to Agora Pulse for day-to-day uh, kind of social media participation. Uh, love it. Really, really cool. Some interesting feature sets in there that you don't often find, like YouTube comment moderation and a bunch of other stuff. So we're, we're, uh, we, are, we are happy customers. Thank you very much for putting together a terrific product. Well, thank you. Yeah. Well, it's our pleasure. You mentioned uh, that you will do anything, literally anything, uh, to get people to like the product. But one of the most noteworthy things that you and the team at Agora Pulse are doing is publishing a blog. Now, that's not in and of itself terribly interesting because lots of people have blogs, including me and Adam and, uh, and you and lots of other folks. But it's a very different type of blog because it's called the Social Media Lab. You can find it at agorapulse slash social dash media dash lab. It's agorapulse.com slash social dash media dash lab. And it is a series of experiments designed to answer some of the questions that social media practitioners ponder when they're, you know, two beers into it. Like, I wonder what would happen if, and and you have those same kind of uh, thinking. You and I have known each other for a long, long time, and uh, you always pondering what, what, what would work and what wouldn't work. And now you're actually putting it to the test using the scientific method in the social media lab. What a cool project. And I, it's got to be awesome to work on that. It is. I mean, for a long time, we've been putting out our regular blog and talking about best practices, but we never really had the time to delve into it, say, you know, I'm going to put up some other projects. Uh, I'm going to slow down what I'm doing to use like 10 sample sets and be statistically significant. And with this new venture, we're able to do that. We're able to have people who are dedicated to really getting their hands dirty with numbers and testing at all hours, you know, manual posting to Twitter to see if timing's right and um, spending a decent amount of money on paid advertisement experiments. And um, we're excited that people are excited about it. You know, we thought it was a great idea and it was under wraps for almost a half a year. So when it went live, we just 
were kind of waiting for a response and hoping that it was positive and it's been nothing but that. So we're really, ex- we're, we're just thrilled with the momentum of it that this had so far. It's like incubating a child. Then all of a sudden it was like, hey. It was, it was really close. I'm sure there are. Now, now we have this child here. Yes, exactly. Yeah, it's amazing. Do they think it's as cute as we do? That kind of thing. Is uh, weekly experiments, is that approximately the, the cadence that you're trying to pursue? Yes. Yeah, so uh, yeah, we tried to do three to four organic experiments and um, like organic social experiments, not like a Petri dish, and one uh, paid experiment. So usually Facebook ads, but sometimes ventures into things like uh, Google Display Network, Instagram Story ads, etc. Um, so totaling about one per week. One of my favorite quotations in the world of digital marketing is from uh, my buddy Tom Webster, who is the VP of marketing at Edison Research. He is a market researcher by trade. And, and he is fond of saying that the plural of anecdote is not data. And I think it's a really great uh, way of framing this up because so often in digital marketing, and particularly I find in social media marketing, we are prone to use uh, individual anecdotes, stories, and examples as proof that something works or doesn't work. Well, this one time I knew a guy who did this thing with a Facebook Live and he killed it, therefore Facebook Live works. Or this one time we did an ad on Instagram that had two different pictures, therefore two pictures works. And that is both mysterious and frustrating to me as somebody who comes from a direct response background, when social media marketing is perhaps the most measurable of all forms of marketing, but yet in many cases, we are not using that measurement appropriately. That's why I love a social media lab, because not only are you doing experiments, but you are using the scientific method to prove or disprove. My favorite, 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 favorite thing about this whole blog is that in every single post, you actually have a graphic that says the hypothesis is, and you write down the hypothesis of the test, and then you prove or disprove the hypothesis, which of course, uh, for the nerds out there, is how the scientific method is supposed to work. And I just, I'm, I'm so enamored with you following the, the, the rigorous and, and frankly, pain in the ass level process that is necessary to do the testing right. It's really, really commendable. Thank you so much. And you know how to how a blog runs, and you- you try to keep to a schedule as much as possible, but by using the scientific method, we can't guarantee that we're going to get decent results in a certain amount of time. Um, you know, if you're going to assign someone a 700-word article and it has to include a certain amount of screenshots, that's easy. But when you're trying to say, you know, are you going to get something statistically significant? Are you going to be able to accurately say yes or no to your hypothesis, it's tougher than you think and you really can't uh, put a time to it. So we've been very flexible. Uh, We have several writers, we call them our scientists at the ready in case something doesn't come on time because we really want to stick to that method. Uh, It's quite important. It's interesting that you say, you know, anecdote versus data, because we took the time, a lot of time for two articles that were, that dealt with things you're going to be like, yeah, 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 this is a frequently asked question. Um, Dealing with third-party apps, do they affect reach on Facebook? That's been a long-held FAQ. Um, And then we also decided to try that for Twitter because people don't talk about that quite as much. And we went into the data and we came up with our hypotheses and then we tested them and came up with our findings, again, using the scientific method. But then there would still be someone like, that's not true. You know, I tried this on my Facebook page of 600 fans once and I got the total opposite reaction. And it's like, that's an anecdote. 
this is data. So um, we still stick with with this and in spite of some of the negative comments that we might get here and there, because this indeed is more long-lasting, more sustainable, and it's hopefully something that people can refer to with confidence um, in the long term. What, what I really like about that process and that method, is, as Jay said, is that you go into it, and in some cases, there may not be a conclusion. There may not be that correlation or causation. And I think sometimes we can learn just as much from that because the world that we live in as social media practitioners is so much, you know, about, you know, being kind of at the ethereal level and then trying to kind of reverse engineer or proof it. My question for you, Lisa, is of all the experiments that you've done, have you had one experiment that has kind of failed and failed miserably? But from that, because you weren't able to measure something or because something didn't happen, actually that provided some even more keen insights. Uh, yes, it did. A lot of them have happened with our paid experiments, and it was easy to say they failed because we could clearly see that they didn't lead to, say, uh, click-throughs or free trials or conversions. And we saw all the money we spent on the return when you get your Facebook ad results. And you know, there's that kind of like, wah, wah. Yeah, <laughs> we had the same feeling. Um, so, uh, in that case, we've tried... Sometimes we just get frustrated, to be honest, and hold off and we don't have that like that light bulb moment like oh we should try this um but in other cases we have where we've taken a greater data set um in the case of facebook ads sometimes doing a different type of targeting or a different kind of creative it, it's all depended um and we sometimes if the writer um our paid writers in singapore he might um, reach out to more people on our team at agora pulse and get more ideas um and more, it, it becomes more of a collaborative process instead of just one writer doing his own thing. So that's what's happened a lot with, with the paid ads. Um, and then some of the other ones I'm thinking of, um, we've sent a Facebook ad. We wanted to know, does sending one to a blog post or a landing page get more conversion? And the difference wasn't that significant. Um, maybe that's just what it is. You know, it's kind of either one will do okay, but it's also encouraged us to keep testing. And um, a few of these, and this might be one in particular, uh, might be one that we revisit every six months to see if it still holds true. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that, that idea of, of retesting. One of the, one of the um, notions, hypotheses that you ran through the social media lab was whether or not using a carousel in Instagram where you have multiple images improves uh, your likes accrued or has a negative impact on same. And you found that on average, using an Instagram carousel decreased your number of likes by 25%, which is a significant and very interesting finding because I think some people feel like, well, hell, I got three photos that are pretty good. I might as well put all three of these photos up here, baby. Uh, and, and your test indicates that that is actually a bad idea if, in fact, you're trying to get likes on your photos and most uh, people People are. My question would be, do you feel like when you tested that, that, that one of the impacts might have been that carousels were relatively new at that point? And if you retested it down the road, say six months at the interval you mentioned, you might have a different result only because people have become more accustomed to that kind of post. And you know, it's it's not like testing some things 
um, in some you know types of marketing where where the where the fundamentals don't change that much, the fundamentals and customer expectations change so much in social that I almost feel like you have to retest stuff because how people use social changes so quickly. Yes, I agree. I agree that um, there are instances like that, like oh, shiny new object, let's test it, and we get very excited about that. Um, lots of things happening with Instagram story ads that um, we're going to have to continue to retest as more and more people use it, and as more and more users are used to seeing them. Um, in the ins- though, in the um, example of Instagram carousels, I always thought it wasn't going to do that great just because by swiping from left to right, it goes against the grain of swiping from up and down in your news feed. So uh, that one, I'm not really sure if we're going to see a big change going into the increase of likes, but certainly something new like Instagram carousels, um, it, it, as one example, which we, we would have to retest it as it gains critical mass, again, both from the business side and from the user experience side. I know you're looking to do more experiments with video. Can you talk about some of the things you might have planned in that area? Yes, yes, indeed. Um, we've just started a weekly Facebook Live, um, which I'm really excited about. Um, they happen every Friday, and we're going to do more experiments with those. You know, they're hard to do because you have to spend the time to actually create an an ad, a video ad, or a piece of video content. Um, sometimes it's an issue of time, money, who's going to be the personality involved, etc. But the Facebook Lives have been great for us um, because they talk about our brand. Um, they'll sometimes we'll sometimes talk with influencers. Uh, once a month, we do talk about our lab findings, um, and so we're using that as raw content to test. Uh, one we're very interested in is the percentage of people who turn the sound on during a Facebook Live. It's a surprisingly low number right now. I don't know about you guys, but ours is only 18%. So people are watching it and eating breakfast. I'm not really sure. Um, so we're going to do definitely things with sound and related to sound, like captions versus no captions, if indeed so many people are watching it without sound. Um, we're going to also investigate how long... Um, lives should be. Um, People want to do them, but I think they want more parameters before they invest the time to do them. So we're going to use our own examples, again, that are standalone good pieces of content for our brand, but then also put them literally to the test. Really speaks to to the importance of captioning. Then, if you've only got eighteen percent of people turning the sound on, yeah, it's been week after week. So, uh, for the amount of time that it would take someone to caption, I think it would go a long way. But again, that's an anecdote. So we really need to test it. Testable, right? I will say, however, just because it makes perfect sense to say it right now, that a new sponsor of the program actually will be officially on the show starting next week is Rev.com, one of the leaders in uh, in captioning of social video and and transcription and all those kind of things. We're delighted to have. Uh, Rev coming aboard the podcast. I thought that would make sense. I have one other question for you that Adam's going to jump in here uh, real quick. Tell me the truth on this, Lisa. I know you and I know uh, Emmerich, the, the, the founder of Agora Pulse and, and several other people in the company. My, my question, what I really care about is, do you have some sort of bet on these tests inside the company? Because I feel like there needs to be some sort of, okay, I'm into this for $10 that, that I believe the people are going to turn on audio 20% or less 20%. I just feel like there needs to be some sort of money changing hands inside and by a prediction market inside the company. Are you, uh, I wish it was dramatic. Is that like a Super Bowl uh, grid? Uh, but yes, yes. Like an office pool. 
I think that's one disadvantage of a remote team. Or cow bingo here in Texas. Yeah. Yeah, yeah cow bingo. Exactly. Yeah, cow bingo. Um, we, no, it's more just uh, little barbs with winky faces like, good luck with that hypothesis, winky emoji. Um, it's pretty informal. Um, yeah, we don't have, we, I can't say that we have. Okay, well, let's start doing this. Let's start figuring out what the tests are in advance. And then let's start getting predictions from the audience. Uh, before the test runs. That's what we should do. That would be a lot of fun. And that's something we have an accompanying podcast, which I really don't want to neglect mentioning. And um, they take the experiments to a different level. They add different insights um, that you don't see in the written word. And that's something we could definitely um, preview, uh, literally, you know, be saying, you know, next week, we're going to launch this. What do you think the findings might be? Uh, I think that would be a lot of fun. Uh, I think it would be more fun than the remote team bingo. Um, but <laughs> if there was chocolate involved as a prize, I might be interested. Um, yeah, but I, because, yes, it, for example, going back to the posting with third-party apps for Facebook, everyone who's been doing social for more than a year and a half has an opinion about that. So it would be fun to place your bets and, and see who comes up um, in the right. Um, but yeah, no, 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 no great story. Tell folks how to find the podcast, then uh, Adam will jump in. We ha- we have a link right on um, agorapulse.com slash social dash media dash lab. We're also pretty much everywhere you find podcasts. So that would be Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. That's all the big ones, just like us. <laughs> just look for social media lab. And you will find it. I think this, the whole idea, Lisa, of what you're doing with social media lab is commendable. And, and here's what I kind of mean by that. I think in the earlier days of social, you know, one of the mantras I always try to live by is this idea of failing forward. You know, one of the great things about social is we can try lots of new things and we kind of know and have managed our own expectations and perhaps that of our leadership that some things are going to work. Some things are not. One of the great positions I think you're in with, uh, with Agorapulse and the, uh, the, the, the lab is that you're actually using Agorapulse media dollars to test new things. And, you know, obviously you're, you recognize by those experiments that some are going to fail, some are going to do okay, and then some are just going to do amazingly well. That, of course, not only informs the experiments, but informs and improves, you know, at least when it's successful, your Agora Pulse advertising. My question for you is, looking at that strategy, what would you recommend to, uh, to our listeners, social media practitioners, and how they actually kind of get out of their comfort zone and begin to do their own experiments to begin to fail forward on their own and how they communicate that to their leadership that, Hey, not all these things are going to work, but we've got to continue just like you are with your experiments, trying new things. Yeah. I always encourage people who even read our own uh, experiments that, you know, don't just take our word for it. Although, you know, we've spent the past two months doing it. I don't mean it with any sarcasm. I encourage people to do their own uh, research and see what they they find using something very similar, if not identical to the, to the um, scientific method. Um, now, a lot of social media practitioners don't have that kind of time to do that. I think one thing is that social media is, is always changing. And if you just keep doing the same thing over and over again, you're going to be five steps behind because what you did in where now, I don't know when this is going to air, if this is, I'll just say March, 2018, uh, what you're doing there might not 
work that well in October 2018. Um, so you need to try to be as flexible and to try as many new things as, as possible. Uh, that that's I mean, people who don't understand social no, should understand that whole notion of failing forward. If their leadership, whether it, it was in a dev R&D, uh, business ops, if they didn't take a risk, they probably wouldn't be in the place that they are now. And the same applies to social. It's not magic. There's an art and a science, and there's a scientific process of trying things and seeing how they fare. As you look at your experiments, and as you look at the social media practitioners who are coming to your blog and those that you see at all the trade shows and industries and conferences that you're speaking with, are there any kind of actions that social media pros are doing, in your opinion, that they're doing better than they were doing maybe 12, 16 months ago? And are, are there any things that maybe practitioners are kind of forgetting about? You know, one of the things I want to talk about here in a little bit is, you know, is authenticity and genuineness. And I know uh, I'll, I'll tease it here, but one of the phrases you had in, in, in the, uh, the things we were talking about right before uh, recording was the idea of beautiful brands on Instagram. I just love that phrase and I don't want to steal that thunder. I want to come back to that. But any things that you look at and you go, gosh, you know, we, we seem to have forgotten, you know, how to do this. And you know what? We're actually doing this a lot better than we were to your point. Just, just back in October or September. Mm -hmm. uh, I think people are getting wiser to the idea of having a uh, global focus group at their disposal. That's something that I've always talked about with clients when I used to have my own social agency. Um, instead of se having sentences and declarative statements, why don't you ask questions? And now that things are more visual in nature, you don't necessarily have to start with a capital letter and end with a question mark. There are those kind of this versus that images. Um, certainly Instagram polls now, you can ask somebody, you know, which pie do you like better, the apple or the blueberry? Um, and it can really inform everything from product design to menus to bigger business initiatives. And I think people are really taking advantage of that. I mean, I can't go um, probably six, seven hours on Instagram without seeing one of those polls that you could tell wasn't just cute and fun, but had some sort of uh, business reasoning behind it. So um, I'm really happy to see that. Um, and that is often backed with data, some numbers, but it's, you know, just one or, or two examples that they might have. Um, but yes, I, I feel strongly that there is, especially with Instagram, um, which used to be my specialty, a, a, lo a loss of authenticity. I used to compare back in the day, um, Pinterest to Instagram, you know, how are they different? Because those were two visual social social channels that came out more or less the same time. I know someone's going to be very picky about that more or less the same time. Um, and I used to say that Pinterest was the art gallery, like the beautiful art that you see that's somehow untouchable, but you love to look at it. And Instagram was your tour guide giving you behind the scenes of that of those pictures saying, oh, you know, he did this when th this drawing when he was dating this person or when he was suffering from or she was suffering from pneumonia, um, used to get the backstory. But somehow Instagram is now merged into a Pinterest type of category where now Instagram images are the pieces of art that you see in the gallery. You're no longer really getting the backstory. Um, and that's something that I think is missing. I'm not necessarily saying I need a different type of, I don't need two Pinterest. I'm not saying that. But if the whole idea is to be more authentic, 
um, and you know to be social and to be human and all those phrases that we hear at um, you know social media speech after speech, having kind of those perfect idealized images and phrases isn't going to get us very far. So um, I'm just noticing it more and more. It's it's actually easier to make inauthentic photos of, you know, great smoothies and, um, you know, the coffee on the table with the perfectly placed book and all of that than it is to just take a picture of yourself in kind of a rough moment. Um, would would you argue that that Instagram stories is is where that authenticity lies now that that the curated gallery worthy photo that may lack some degree of authenticity and humanity is Instagram regular and and the the more authentic kind of run and gun here's what we're really about is is stories or do you not see it playing out that way? Yeah, no, I I do, and that, that's why I'm I'm really um, excited that we're do, we're talking more about stories both on our regular blog and on the social media lab, and that we're investing more time in in um in ads even the ads tend to be slightly more authentic in nature um and so but but i know plenty of people who don't read stories and my hope is that more and more people read stories and that that vibe of stories which is like a selfie hey you know look at me i'm rushing to the airport right now that's usually not something you would see in the regular feed um but you would see it in stories i hope that more and more people keep that hey this is really me i'm sweating i'm about to miss my flight kind of feeling not that i want anyone to miss their flight yeah, sort of a documentary film versus a produced film right versus a script yes the movie stills yes mm-hmm. um how often do you run a test in the lab and then you and the social media team at Regora Pulse who are using social to, to sell software like oh man we got to totally change our strategy now because we've just tested something that we thought worked i mean are the, are the results of the test getting fed back into your own social strategy and are you making changes to what you're doing as a result of what you learned in the tests yes and it was unintentional um we um brought scott ayers who used to be at post planner on as our lead social media scientist and only as that. Um, but then we uh, saw a great opportunity for him to also take over our social media management. And so he's definitely not only using the social to fuel some of our experiments, but also taking the findings, including you know, hashtags, um, you know, which platforms does it work best on, how many should we use, um, taking that data and, and making our social better. Um, so yeah, we're really excited to have that opportunity um, to in our own in our own marketing. Um, but as a, so that's in our own marketing. And then as far as our tools go, we've had a really interesting one happen where uh, one of our first tests was saying, if you, uh, it's an Instagram one as well, if you convert from a regular account to a business account, how does that impact your reach and engagement? And we found out that it has a negative impact on reach and engagement. Well, now um, that Instagram is allowing you to publish directly, um, schedule posts directly, you have to have a business account. So now, as a brand, we have to tell the, you know, you must have a business account. That's the only way you can get this great feature. And then we're thinking in our heads, even though it doesn't give you great results (laughs) because we tested it. Um, So it's been interesting how our findings and then the tool itself, um, how there might be some discrepancies. Obviously, none of us work for Instagram here. Um, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna speak for you here, but I'm I'm guessing you're you're not compensated by our by our friends uh, there at, at Facebook and Instagram. But I'm curious, you know, one of the things that at least in the recent news, and as this uh, as this hits in March, 
you know, we saw just uh, just a couple of weeks ago um, that uh, you know Snapchat's you know continuing to have issues, you know, with. Uh, with kind of deprecation of, of their users. I think one of the Kardashians had said that, you know, she thought that Snapchat was dead. The stock dropped 20%. The UI issue is, is continuing to, uh, to thwart them. Do you believe, first off, uh, I'm, I'm curious how, what you feel about Snapchat. I know you're more of an Instagram person, but how do you feel about Snapchat? And secondly, obviously LinkedIn is watching this. Vi- I'm not LinkedIn. I'm sorry. Instagram is watching this very carefully in terms of how they're positioning Instagram stories to the, uh, the algorithms that you just spoke of. What does this mean for personal pages versus brand pages on Instagram? What does this mean for, for paid actions? And, uh, and, and what do you think of if we were sitting here 365 days from now, Lisa, how would we be looking at the, uh, the social visual landscape? Mm. I don't. I don't think that we would be seeing uh, Snapchat in that, in that, in that landscape anymore. And I don't think it's because of a. You know, I can't remember if it was Kylie or the other Jenner, whoever said yes. I don't think anybody's on Snapchat anymore, or whatever, however it went down. Um, I I think people didn't quite know as marketers how to measure it, um, and and seeing the ROI. So I think some. Folks have already backed away from it. Um, we're hearing that yes, more and more influencers are. Well, first of all, influencers weren't courted in the way that they should have by Snapchat, and I think they went elsewhere. Um, I think that's where. Um, I think that's where Snapchat had its little special sauce, but also in its discovery. I think if more and more publishers that are in um, Snapchat find a way to be in Instagram, or if Instagram allows more news, like from BuzzFeed, The Daily Show, all those fun sites that have kind of news, entertaining news. Um, if if they can somehow capture that without ruining their vibe, I think that would be kind of the death knell um, of, of Snapchat. Um, even for younger folks, and this is anecdotal, but you did ask for my opinion, so I feel a little comfortable saying it. Um, I happen to have a tween at home, and um, I'm very interested in, in what tw- tweens are up to. Snapchat was popular, but now there are so many other things that they're playing with that even as, as personal users, I, I if, if it went away, I don't think there would be um, a big like Disney generation uprising. Um, there's Musical.ly, and tons of people are on Instagram. And, and she's just asked me last week to be on Twitter, which just kind of blew me away. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I guess the, the short of it is I don't see them, and I don't see them uh, in the landscape six months, a year from now. And I don't think that Instagram necessarily even has to make that move about courting uh, publishers. I think it just might happen by natural attrition and by their lack of, of really um, supporting influencers. One last question on, on Snapchat, because I don't want this to be the death knell of Snapchat show. Um, <laughs> but I am curious, kind of from your opinion, you know, how much of kind of where Snapchat is today is you know because of the issues with them completely re-changing their their user interface and the way that Snapchat has worked on on most people's devices. Number two, uh, and this is I think a challenge, and it should be a wake up call for all the social media platforms. The 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 lack or kind of very murky space of APIs to allow tools and technologies and people to be able to get in and publish and uh, and, and exchange data. And then, uh, and then the third is, as you said, kind of focusing on that younger demographic and making sure that you're not only, you know, 
creating new you know, followers and getting interest from new followers, but rewarding and recognizing and nurturing those top performers and top snappers. So, so pardon me. So what would the question be related to those three? Uh, which, which one do you think kind of make, if you, if you had to say, okay, here's the reason from where I sit that Snapchat is, is having a little bit of trouble right now. Would you, would you put it in one of those three buckets or would you say, no, Adam, it's, it's something entirely different. I do think it's different. I think that, uh, you know, some of the big brands did Instagram. Well, you know, you would be in downtown Manhattan and you would see like, uh, you know, the huge ghost and you would have to snap it to find out what ABC's up to or um, a mall store is up to. But people who didn't have that kind of money to invest in Snapchat campaigns did not know what to do with it besides taking like funny pictures or like enhancing their eyes or adding bunny ears or having rainbow vomit come out. Um, I think for many mid-sized businesses and, and agencies, which is our um, our tool, we, we focus on them. They never knew what to do that would generate clicks, um, that would start new orders or new trials. I think that's, I think that is um, the biggest issue in terms of them reaching critical mass with a business audience. Although I think we should acknowledge that, that, that Snapchat for the first time uh, released a, a profitable quarter uh, just just a, a couple of weeks ago when we're recording this. So while I think the case can be made that that their usage is becoming more selective, I don't know that that's necessarily inherently a problem. I wrote about this a couple of years ago when when they first started to sort of be knocked off by Facebook and all the Instagram uh, kind of features that were originally Snapchat and innovations got rolled into the platform stories, et cetera. What I wrote at that time, and I still believe this to be true, is that a smaller Snapchat, a more homogenous Snapchat is a more successful Snapchat from a business standpoint. That that Snapchat, which is the 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 dominant playground of of young people, is a very viable commercial entity. A Snapchat that is kind of the second or third favorite from a bunch of people is not as viable of a commercial entity. So I don't know that in their case, I wouldn't say this for all platforms, but in their case, I don't know that smaller is necessarily worse from a business perspective because if the audience is more homogenous, the audience is easier to buy from an advertising standpoint. So we'll see how that shakes out. It could have just been a lucky quarter. I'll be very interested to see what happens uh, next quarter. Also, just as I'm talking about profits, Twitter also had their very first ever profitable quarter at the same time. Uh, so the two things that we've been saying over the last year, boy, I don't know about Twitter. They have some problems. And I don't know about Snapchat. Maybe they have some problems. Both of those came out with the very first ever profitable quarters in the same quarter, which is uh, fascinating, uh, I think. What's going to be interesting to see what happens with Facebook. Yes. I mean, obviously, the, the new results just came out that show that Facebook's usage has declined for the first time ever. That is research from Tom Webster at Edison, who I mentioned at the top of the show. Uh, first time ever in the history of Facebook that they're seeing a decline in usage, which is uh, pretty interesting. Um, now, that's decline in Facebook normal. If you take Facebook plus Instagram plus WhatsApp plus Facebook Messenger, of course, overall usage for the entirety of the corporation goes up. But Facebook normal is gone down, at least in the US. So you know, you got to have that caveat uh, as well. Adam? No, I think one of the other things, Lisa, that I think is interesting, and you, you, you harped upon this with the, uh, with the, with the beautiful Instagram, and I kind of want to go back to that because I think it's a fascinating topic. Do you believe that the level of, of authenticity is different 
on different platforms. In other words, if you had to kind of force rank right now, as we sit here in March of 2018, the authenticity level of different platforms, where would you put, and I'm, I'm going to focus more on live streaming live here, but you, what is it? It's, you know, Facebook live versus YouTube live versus Instagram stories versus Snapchat. What, where can brands really be themselves and where do brands need to bring in the uh, Photoshop and the, the airbrush proverbially here? Cause you know, I've been noticing a trend at least for YouTube and Facebook live of going away kind of from the authentic stuff to stuff that looks more like, you know, an anchor desk where you've got two talking heads there. And this looks like I produced like 30 minute news program. Is, is that true for all the platforms in your opinion? And is that the right thing or maybe not so right thing? Yeah, I, I've, se- I've seen more and more of exactly as you described, um, where if you tune in one week versus another, you'll see the same exact setup like you would with any other news program. Um, I, I would say in advice to people who are looking for a platform, I often tell them to start with Facebook for the primary reason that out of all of the platforms, they are probably used to seeing something similar on Facebook. Um, they're used to pressing the buttons on Facebook. And fi- and I think for that reason, because it feels more natural to them, there will be a tendency to be more authentic. Um, if they're, for s- many brands aren't regular Instagram users and for them to go on Instagram live, there just wouldn't be, especially because it's just so uh, mobile in nature. It's just, it's, it could be out of the comfort zone for some people. So as a result, they might want something staged where they're comfortable with a very discreet format that repeats time and time again. Yes. Um, so if you want it to be authentic, I would say it's Facebook, but there is the issue there of, you know, what's the audience that you're trying to reach? Uh, younger demographics, we know, have not been going there because their parents are there. Um, so it is uh, tougher and tougher to find that area that one, has your audience, and then two, gives you that that leeway to be your your authentic self and really show a genuine value proposition. Lisa Colin Williams, the product marketing manager at Agora Pulse and proprietor of the social media lab blog agorapulse.com slash social dash media dash lab and the companion podcast by the same name. Look for social media lab. Lisa, I want to ask you the two questions that we've asked every single guest here on the social pros program here as we are talking to you on episode 307 of the podcast, if you can believe that. Uh, Question number one, Lisa, what one tip would you give somebody looking to become a social pro other than reading the social media lab blog to learn what works and what doesn't work? What would be your other tip? Um, To be a social media pro, uh, just try being a social media amateur first. (laughs) Well said. I mean, um, that's how I started. I told someone, um, it was a local consignment store. I said, I I would do, I'll do your social uh, free for three months. And if you like it, you can start paying me for it. And that's how I lit landed my first client. Um, There's the uh, Chamber of Commerce. There's your kid's uh, daycare or piano school or whatever it is just to get your feet wet. And that's certainly whatever. And and when you're doing it for free, you can test more stuff because they're not saying we paid you X amount of dollars to get this right. Um, So I definitely say get your feet wet um, without getting paid and you'll have plenty of stories to tell clients that will eventually pay you. I love it. Well said. Last question for Lisa Colner Williams from Agora Pulse. If you could do a Skype call with any living person, who would it be and why? Rats, I know you 
asked that question, but neglected to think you'd ask it to me. Okay. I might say uh, President Jimmy Carter. Did not see that one coming. Did not see Jimmy Carter coming on this one. Great. Please continue. I just remember the the uh, Saturday, this dates me. I know it's still on Saturday Night Live skit they had of Jimmy Carter being able to like answer nearly any question, including like someone who was tripping on LSD. He like talked them down from an LSD trip, giving advice. I mean, he knows about peanuts. He knows about politics. He knows about poverty. He knows about Atlanta. Um, I just and he seems very genuine. He speaks slowly, so I would understand what he's saying. Um, I, I like his Georgian accent. Um, I know you said dead or alive. I'm just thinking if you know, I would prefer alive, and I'm not sure how many years. I think we said alive, actually. I think it's only living Only living people is the is the reason. Oh, alive? Well, that's – oh, okay. Only living. Well, even more reason um, for me to, to see him be just because his time is, is – is, it's perhaps short. Yes. So yeah, James Earl Carter, please. I love it. That is a fascinating answer. Thank you for for mentioning that. We'll put that into the the archives of everybody who's ever asked uh, and answered that question. It's fascinating to go back and and look and see what people have said over the years, the seven plus years of the Social Pros program. Lisa, thank you so much for being on the show. It was fantastic to have you. Congratulations on all the great work at Social Media Lab. Ladies and gentlemen, make sure that you are bookmarking or subscribing to the uh, RSS feed, the email newsletter, listening to the podcast. It's called Social Media Lab uh, at agorapulse.com slash social dash media dash lab. Lisa Colner Williams, thanks so much for being here. Thanks to you both. It was absolutely our pleasure. Tune in next week for another whiz bang episode of Social Pros, uh, where I believe the schedule says that we're going to be talking to uh, Phil Mode, who is the uh, head of marketing, digital marketing for the Calgary Stampede, one of the largest and most crazy uh, rodeos in the whole world. We're going to talk to Phil about how he handles that in social. So we're going to be talking about bulls and bronc riding, all kinds of stuff, Adam. I'm wearing my boots and my cowboy hat in preparation. I love it. That's going to be a good time. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for your time and your attention. Uh, Adam and I appreciate each and every one of you. We will see you next week. This has been Social Pros. Thanks for listening to Social Pros. Please leave a review and subscribe on iTunes or on your favorite podcast listening app. Go to socialpros.com for a complete show archive and for our greatest hits. Social Pros is sponsored by Convince and Convert. Salesforce Marketing Cloud, and by Yext, and is produced by my team and I at Convince and Convert Media. If you're interested in being a guest or a sponsor on the show, visit us at convinceandconvert.com.